0: Good. Thank you, James. Come on? Yeah, I'm on. That's good. Uh, We're going to be looking into the Bible, the New Testament, and uh, it's uh, the book of 1 Peter. Uh, If you've got a church Bible nearby, uh, it's on page uh, 1217, uh, if you want to be following it. While uh, we're finding that, just uh, let me say welcome. Uh, It's great to see so many here today. Uh, If you're new... Uh, and uh, forgive me if you've already heard this but it's no harm in reiterating it if you want to be in touch with us in the future then do fill in on the back of the notice sheet you see there's this little handy tear-off slip you can just put your name in and so on and then leave it there's a a welcome kind of area by the notice board on the left corner at the back so leave it there Uh, or have a chat with somebody there introduce yourself find out a bit more about us uh, make use of the, uh, the opportunity to do so. So um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's good. So here we are then in 1 Peter chapter 1. We're uh, on the second session uh, of a series we're doing on Sunday mornings, most Sunday mornings, not every Sunday morning, but mainly uh, looking into this book in the New Testament. Uh, it's a letter from the Apostle Peter, uh, who uh, later was called Saint Peter, you know, the the disciple of Jesus, the one who uh, is well known in the New Testament. And he's writing, as we heard last week, to these Christian communities who are scattered uh, around a, a distant part of the Roman Empire. Peter is probably writing from Rome, he was a church leader in the church at Rome it would seem, something he says uh, in his second letter seems to imply that very clearly that he's in Rome. Uh, and. Uh, he's writing to these Christians that they're in a kind of tucked away uh, in where we would now call Turkey actually the whole you know scattered across that part not exactly at the center of things but even so despite that these believers in these scattered communities uh, were really not finding it easy following Jesus they were going through trials following Jesus wasn't an easy thing to do in the Roman Empire Uh, You you tended to get um, uh, into trouble if you acknowledge anyone else other than Caesar or the government to be your Lord. If you were Jewish you had a kind of exception clause uh, and that's why in the beginning of the early church uh, the the, the early Christians kind of got away with it because they were seen to be part of Judaism. But as they become distinct so they they, they get into, into all kinds of trouble. It was a difficult time. And even though these guys were away from Rome, as we heard last week, things were difficult. And in other ways, it was strange for them. You see, they weren't quite at home uh, in the way that they used to be. Their lives had changed direction. They now had a new center to their life. They had a kind of new spiritual home. Their kind of centre, their their well-being, everything about them was tied up with what God had done for them. They'd come to believe in Jesus, as we saw last week. Their focus was on Jesus Christ now. He was their Lord. He was the one that mattered most to them. They'd come to believe in him. In fact, it says they love him. And they were full of joy. They knew his presence in their life, even though it was tough at times and and all that package all that that knowledge of jesus that experience of jesus that new spiritual home peter keeps calling in chapter one salvation that relationship with god that rescue from god that new hope for the future that they have they know as peter says in 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 the verses we saw last week that the full salvation is yet to come they, there was mu- they got life with God now, but there was much more. They had this fantastic future destiny. And there was, uh, you know, they were really uh, going to be at the heart of things forever, in that kind of destiny that God had for them, that God has for us. And all of that is based on Jesus' resurrection from the dead. So they're living in between what God's done for them now and what God's doing for them now and what's going to be happening in the future when this salvation, this rescue is fully revealed, Peter says. They're trusting God and it's tough. It's going to be real faith, real belief, but in a real world, real life we kind of live there too, don't we? We live between this time where yeah, we've got God's rescue, we know Jesus in our lives, and we're kind of waiting for the fulfilment of all that God has promised. So after this really big introduction, that goes from chapter 1, verse 1, right down to verse 12. And, and if you read it when you get home, if you've not read it before, it's full of amazing things that God has done for us. And what God will do for us in the future. And how that there's even meaning in the trials that we're going through. Peter then after all of that begins in verse 13 with this word, therefore. Therefore, he says he's going to carry on now said, so you've got this great big picture of all this wonderful stuff god has done for you now okay so what what happens next well let's read verse 13 i'll read it if you want to follow it through therefore prepare your minds for action be self-controlled set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when jesus christ is revealed As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. So says Peter, because of all that God has done for you, therefore, he says, prepare your minds... For action. He said there needs to be something going on in your heads. There needs to be a, a new kind of mindset, a new way of thinking about life. And that mindset, that thinking, that approach to life, that approach to being a Christian believer is going to be about action. There's stuff to be getting on with. Actually, those of you who know this in old, older versions, the actual phrase is gird up the loins of your mind. And that's a picture, you know, in, in those days in the Middle East when people wore robes, you know, long robes. If you wanted to get on with something, you know, get, get moving fast. I can't move that fast. The best way to ensure you did that was to get your long robe, and I presume with a modicum of decency, kind of fold it up to kind of above your knees and then tuck it in your belt, you see, so that then there was nothing in the way. You could just you could just move about quite easily. In fact, if you're familiar with the, the story of the Exodus... When the children of Israel were told to have that last meal, you know, before they left Egypt, the Passover, which they then celebrate, the Jews still do, so Jewish people still celebrate it to this day, uh, the idea was that they should have to the, eat their meal with their, with their kind of uh, loins girded, with their long kind of robes in their belts because they were about to go. They were about to get off into action. See the idea... Know that you're rescued. Know that your salvation is now. Know that there's a future on the way. He said, it's time for some action. And what is the action? Well, the action is that we're to be different. We are to be different. Now imagine, here's a dream. Some of you are like this dream. Imagine we read tomorrow that uh, Bill Gates had bought Southampton Football Club. Good dream, eh? What would that be like? So we knew, not only had he bought the club, but there was resources available. That he was actually not only bought the club, not only was there a whole load of resources for some possible new players, or investment in the very fine players that I'm sure we have now, but uh, also... That he'd signed Sir Alex Ferguson, who was going to be the manager shortly. Okay? Imagine that. Imagine that. Would you know the Premier League is is a hope, but it's gonna happen. It's gonna be ours again. See, I use the word ours there. I'm trying to identify with Saints fans. (laughs) Ours again. Would our behaviour be different? Would the team behave differently? With the fans? You see, a rescue and a future hope, even though it wasn't realised, would result in change in the present, wouldn't it? I would hope so. I would hope so. Well it's like that for us, isn't it? God has rescued us. He's providing all these resources. We do have a hope, much better than the Premier League, of, of heaven, inheritance. We've got our whole destiny tied up in God's purposes for the universe. And that's pretty mind-blowing. We don't really know what they are, except It's going to be amazing, and it's centered around Jesus. And we're part of it, if we know him. So that's the, what kind of difference. So Peter says, you're going to be different. Well, what's it going to be look, looking like? Well, there it is in verse 13 and 14. He says, you're going to be self-controlled. Be act, get your minds ready for action, be self-controlled. And he uses words to paint a picture of how these believers he's writing to were used to being pushed around by their own desires, just as we are. Now, he says, you, you've got to be self-controlled. You need to resist the pressure of your life just being shaped by your desires. He says to them, this used to happen, but now we're to obey God instead. Now, it actually says we're to be conformed. That's the same word that's used in Romans 12, where Paul says, I don't want you to be conformed to this world. It has the idea of being squeezed into the mould, being acted upon by what's around us. And and in this case, it's we're not to be squeezed into the mould, the direction of our old desires, the ways we used to be, the things that, that drive us normally. Peter's saying we're to be different. Well, how? In other words, he says we're to be holy. There it is. Be holy in all you do. Everything we do. Everything we do is meant to be affected by who God is, by what God is like, by what He wants us to be like. Absolutely everything. All you do. Real faith for real life. Our faith, our trust in God, our experience of this salvation is to be seen in our living. The new life is to be completely different from the old. We take charge, our desires don't run us anymore. That's self control. So, a great future brings about a transformed present, and it's seen in how we live our lives, says Peter. Now let's stop a minute. I won't ask you, but you can think about this. I think about it myself. Does that describe my life? Does that describe your life? How much does it describe your life or mine? Is it be holy in some of the things you do? Is it be holy in most of the things you do? No, it's be holy in all you do. Getting up going to work, going shopping, looking after kids. Everything is to be touched by holiness. Now this is a big issue for Peter's readers. You see, Peter's readers, so we find they weren't all good Jewish boys and girls, as it were, born up, brought up, you know, to keep the law and you know, never tre- treading any, you know, they're, they're, They were shaped by their own desires. They lived in, in the Roman Empire. Their whole culture was shaped by their desires. It was very much like our own culture today. Kind of anything was possible. It was fine. Anything you could do, whatever you liked. It's going to be tough for these believers to change their lives or to allow their lives to be changed. It was going to be very, very different. It's going to be very challenging. So Peter gives them some reasons why. And I think these reasons helps the the people he's writing to. And I hope us too. It helps me anyway. To see why we should be holy. Because we're in this culture very much like these believers. Some of us are are in lifestyles now or have been in lifestyles that are are very different. We know what it's like to be pushed by our old desires. We know what it's like to be shaped by stuff that is not, not helpful. Just like these believers did that Peter was writing to. So here we go. Then we're going to be thinking quite briefly about reasons to be holy. One, two, three. Apologies. Dennis. I thought some of you got that. That's good. <laughs> reasons to be holy. I asked one of the people that chuckled what that's about, if you were wondering. Number one. Be holy because God is in your life. Verse 16. Let's read 16 to 21. It is written, Be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially... Be holy, because God is in your life. Peter quotes Leviticus, actually. That's interesting, isn't it? He says, you're God's people, that quotation. Be holy, because I am holy. So Peter's saying, you're God's people, you're meant to be like him. You're meant to look a bit like him. Obviously not in all these different transcendence, but aspects of what he's like should be reflected in our lives. That's a fantastic opportunity, isn't it? Holiness is a great opportunity to reflect the glory of God to other people. To have our lives, you know, radiating something of his greatness and his glory, his mercy. Now there's a few aspects to this and I'm going to go through them quite quickly. What does all that mean? Well, well, Peter's saying God is in your life. Look, he says there's a relationship with him. See there in verse 17, he says, you call on a father he's your father he says look you've come into a relationship where god is close in your life that he's he's actually for many of us perhaps we've got broken fathers and you know he's the father you never had or the father that you always wished your dad had been like There. he said he's that close father to you you're in relationship with him we've come home to god like the prodigal son who came home to his father And he's the father that we all need. And Peter says, what? Well, you call on him. We have access. That's about prayer. We can speak to this father, this God that loves us, this God that has forgiven us, this God who's brought us into relationship with him. He's in our lives. We experience him working through us and in us. This God that we know, our father, he's holy and because he's in our life then there's a reason for us to be holy but more than that Peter says we want to please him see that in verse 17 you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially we're accountable to this God it says and you know that's not to put us in fear that we're going to be condemned because that's already been sorted if you're a believer because of what Jesus has done now this is about wanting to hear God say good job He's going to do the appraisal one day on my life and on yours. And I want to hear him say, good, pleased with that, don't you? So be holy, says Peter. He's the one we want to please. Thirdly, we belong to him. There's that phrase in there about being redeemed. See there it says, you were redeemed from your empty way of life with the precious blood of Jesus Christ slaves at that time could be redeemed they could be bought out of their slavery they could either save up themselves or someone would do it for them or for different reasons they could be set free Peter says you've been redeemed you've been bought back by God you've been set free you now belong to God and that's been done by the precious blood of Jesus. Remember, he's already talked about the Passover meal, you know, with your loins girded. Now he reminds them of that story when the, the, the lamb died so that the Hebrews needn't, basically. That's what we celebrate is we take communion. The lamb died so that, so that the others wouldn't be judged and they could be set into freedom from Egypt. And Peter says, Jesus has done that for us. His blood, when he died on the cross... God bought us. God kind of purchased us. We now become, we belong to God. Jesus has set us free from this empty way of life. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19 says this, You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honour God with your body. We're meant to be pure with our bodies. Here the context in 1 Corinthians 6 is what we do with our bodies. What we do with our bodies need to be holy. It's about sexual purity. And Peter goes on to say that because you belong to God, because God has done this for you, because Jesus has died, because this blood of Jesus has been spilt, this is something God planned from before the foundation of the world. See that? He says that there in verse 20. He was chosen before the creation of the world but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Peter's saying, look, this great thing that God has done for you is part of God's amazing plan. That those who uh, come to Jesus, those who trust in Jesus, find themselves to be kind of connected to this huge, great purpose of God. Plan, It's a really big deal. So Peter says, be holy because God is in your life. Verse 20, he says, um, verse 21 rather, Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him so your faith and hope are in God has the idea of really a strong commitment you believe into God is the kind of idea you know you've really committed yourself to him he's committed himself to you you belong to him God is in your life therefore says Peter that's a good reason to be holy because God is in your life he goes on to talk in verse 22 that we can be holy because we've been born into a new family let's read verse 22 Now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the fields of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Be holy secondly, not just because God is in your life, but because you've been born into a new family. That's what that's about. Peter says that when we (coughs) obey the truth, when we understand the good news about Jesus, when we commit uh, our our whole lives to him, when we turn from uh, sin, when we trust to Jesus, when we believe the gospel, he says you're purified at that moment. You've purified yourselves by obeying the truth. We're cleaned up. Verse 23, he says, this is just like being born again. And this new birth, this new life of God is through the word, like a seed that's planted and begins to grow. Remember, Jesus told parables about that, talked about the kingdom being like a man planting seeds. The parable of the sower talks about the seed being planted. And what does Jesus say? The seed is the word. So Peter is saying, you've been brought to life because this truth, this word, this, all this stuff that you, you've got begun to understand and, and it's got into your lives and you, you, you've acted upon, that's kind of brought you to life. It's brought you into new life. Well, some of you will be thinking, well, just a minute, isn't it the Holy Spirit that brings us to life? John 3 says that, and the answer, is yes, it is. <laughs> but it's not either or, is it? It's both and. The Holy Spirit uses the word to bring us to life. We're born, born again, born anew from above by the Holy Spirit through the word. So how is this life seen? You see how it's seen there? Love one another deeply from the heart. Deeply. It's a, that word kind of means stretching. It means hard work. It's the word that's used. You remember when Jesus was praying in Gethsemane? I think it's Luke says... All, being all the more in agony, he, he prayed even more earnestly. It's that, that stretching beyond the kind of limits, and, and Peter is saying, that's the kind of love that's at work in us. So holiness means that we love our brothers and sisters. We love the world. We live a life of love, a love that's sincere, that's not hypocritical, that's real, that's authentic, that's Jesus-flavoured love. You see, being holy is more than just about what what you do, right, sorry. Being holy is about what you do, not just about what you don't do. And, you know, Peter is saying, if you used to be uh, pushed around by your old urges, the things that drove you before, now, Peter says, there's this new urge, this new kind of energy, this new life from God And it's pushing you to love one another. That becomes the new driving force in your life. God's love. And we need to do that. Love becomes the replacement urge, if you like. Love for God. Love for our brothers and sisters. Love for others. And this word that brought us to life is enduring, it says. It's living. So reasons to be holy. We have a new family. Love is shaping us. So, verse 1, look at chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Things to be got rid of. That's holiness. Notice they're all about how we relate to other people. See, holiness is not just about sexual purity. It's very easy for some of us who who are not used to that lifestyle to be thinking, oh, holiness is all about not doing this and not doing that. It is that. But holiness, too, is about stuff that is much more familiar to those of us who may not be in that kind of lifestyle. Stuff like jealousy, slagging people off, slander, malice, hypocrisy. All those things we've got to say no to because they are unholy. Earlier this month, I was talking to uh, another church leader. He said to me this, he said, I have never, I never thought I would experience such malice, bitterness, hatred, and anger from Christians. He said, and many of these Christians can date their conversion experience to hearing Billy Graham at a certain point in time. Holiness, expressed in love, not hypocrisy not malice not slagging people off not the things that are mentioned here we're a holy family we are the holy family the holy family is not Joseph Mary and Jesus they are a holy family or they were I suppose but we are a holy family whose relationships are meant to be marked by Jesus smelling beautiful flavored love for one another Be holy, because you're born into a new family. Finally, be holy. Let's read. Because we are supposed to be growing up, we can grow up in our salvation. Verse two. Like newborn babies, crave pure, pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Our life with God is just that—it's life. It's to be growing. And that life, that growth is seen in what? In holiness, being like our Father. Here's this picture again of a new birth. And he says, look, you've been born again. Now look, behave like babies. Now babies like milk, don't they? Is that true? We seem to have had a lot of babies. They're coming thick and fast at the moment, which is very exciting. Uh, I expect there's a few out there in the crash who could demonstrate this, but we won't try that right now. When they get, once, once they finally figure out how to feed from the breast, and that's not always uh, uh, easy for them, once they get it, then they really go for it, don't they? Big time. One of our kids, I won't say who, um, <laughs> uh, was a bit scrawny when he was born, but we got two sons, so it could be one or two. He was very scrawny when he was born, and um, you know, he, was a bit, he always seemed to be a bit tired, and, uh, when he was on the breast, uh, you know, it was, you know, it was a little bit kind of, and, Mary was learning as well, I guess, at this time. But, um, then, uh, he, he had quite big feet, uh, and they'd kind of be flopped down. And, uh, when, uh, and both our sons, oh, it could be either of them, so I'm not telling you who <laughs> And as soon as he got, as soon as he got the breast milk, his feet would kind of go whoop, like, like that, come, kind of, kind of come up. And he went, you know. Then, then, then he was, he was going for it. He got it. That was a long time ago, but I remember it now well. And you know, sometimes, and maybe you've seen a baby doing you know, Once, once the baby gets it, you know, once they're really enjoying feeding, you know, they make those little kind of sighing sounds, don't they? Those little kind of sounds of satisfaction uh, as they suck the milk. They crave milk. And Peter says, that's a picture of what we're meant to be as we grow. He says, look, you've tasted that God is good. You've had that taste. That's like the first thing when, when this little guy's uh, feet went up, you know. And now you've got that. Keep, Keep feeding. Keep going for it. Keep going for more of God in your life. That word could be translated word milk. The Greek for spiritual is connected to the word logos, and that's why some translations say that that Peter is maybe talking about the word again. Actually, he probably is, but it's kind of ambiguous, but it works. Are you getting the word in your new life? Are you getting enough of the word Reading it, experiencing. It. I'm using something at the moment on, on the web called Word Life. I could really recommend it from Scripture Union. It's a daily kind of bit of the Bible and some ideas and some stuff. It's really, really good. I'm using it. In fact, I'm going to show you an example from it right now. I hope. If it's not, I'll put it on the. I'll put it on the Facebook page as well. We could put that other one on Facebook or the ports of Facebook. But here it comes. It's a public information film. Remember those things about holiness. Thanks, Richard.
1: Hey, Jack! Yes, I'm talking to you, my man. I see you've been given brand new clothes to wear. You are naturally keen to keep them as clean as a new pin. So, where will you go? What will you do in your fab new threads? Will you go out to a nice bistro with a lady companion on your arm, or dig over the garden? Will you take a stroll around Honiton Lace Museum, or swim the English Channel covered in goose fat? Will you take Tiffin with an elderly relative, or sumo wrestle in a ditch with an elderly relative? Will you attend a royal gala performance of the King and I with Princess Michael of Kent or crouch in a nest with some kestrels? Of course, now you are made clean you will want to stay clean, won't you? Holiness is a gift not dissimilar to being given a fine new three-piece suit and spanking bowler hat by a master tailor of bond street in christ's righteousness you are made holy so you will be keen to change your life accordingly so others may see god in you you may cry out in response to this hey no way you flipping idiot are you crazy or what That's just not possible. No one's that good. Well, not so fast, Sonny. What you're forgetting is that God is able to keep us from stumbling and present us before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. Maintaining holiness requires day-to-day obedience to the Lord, but all in his strength and with his grace. Where we succeed, We should praise him. When we fail, we must ask his forgiveness. Today and every day, use this acronym to help you reflect on your behavior. W. Was that action appropriate for a child of God? A. Am I bringing honor to God? W. Were my words worthy of a servant of God? I. Is my conversation full of God's kindness and truth? That's right. Just remember the acronym: W A W E. To stay safe, stay clean, stay holy.
0: Well, I <clears throat> hope you appreciated the humour. I, I did, but um... <laughs> but there's some very uh, important points, isn't it? We let's keep what God has given us. Let's remember that we're to be different. We're to be holy. God is in our lives, so we can be holy. We're in a new family, so we're to be holy. Love is to be the main urge now. And there's so much more to grow up into as we feed on God and his word. We don't want anything, do we, to rob us of that.